I'm so, so glad, glad you're, you're here. here. Menopause. Have you seen that Baroness von Sketchbit where the women are suddenly questioning what is happening to their bodies? Maybe I'm coming down with something. Maybe it's perimenopause. <laughs> you think? I don't know, is it? I don't know, is it? No. No? I still wear a jean jacket. The sketch goes on and it's hilarious. Yet the underlining commentary is that in reality, no one really knows anything, nor are researchers or the healthcare system all that interested in helping through studies and research to provide support and guidance to women. Myself and other guests today have discovered through our own journeys, everyone wants to talk about perimenopause or menopause. So today we're discussing our fascination with the next phase of our uterine journey and the truth that no one has any answers, at least not satisfying ones. Over the past few years, I've been on a journey to figure out my post-human into my 40s body. My doctor told me my hormones were showing I was entering perimenopause. I was sent to a specialist to help me find a solution to my extremely heavy, weeks-long periods of menstruation. That specialist scoffed and said my hormones levels were what they considered normal and that they were not going to take me as a patient. I eventually found a supportive, straight-talking gynecologist. I wanted my uterus removed. Who needs to menstruate every two weeks for three weeks for the next 10 years? For me, a hysterectomy wasn't an option or advised, and with the pandemic, I simply was not a priority for that type of procedure. What was an option was a low hormone IUD. The hope was with the use of the IUD, my menstrual cycles would slow or stop altogether and reduce my significant migraine activity each month in and around ovulation. In five years, we swap it out and ride out the final part of menopause with ease, or at least more than I was currently experiencing. Prior to considering an IUD, I believed menstruation made women different. It made us unique. Nature had provided each woman with what I referred to as the great filter. Believing menstruation allowed us to physically expel from our bodies emotion and energy that no longer served us. I came to realize though, that my three week heavy menstruation and three days worth of migraine activity were actually reducing my quality of life and my ability to participate in a meaningful manner. On its face, the loss of a few days each month to a migraine doesn't seem like much, but weighed against a decade, it was a daunting amount of time to waste when there was an option to do something about it. If I had a broken bone, I wouldn't leave it to heal itself and accept that it is what it is. So I fixed my menstruation issues with quite a lot of success. I still get migraines, but they are not as debilitating or life-pausing as before. I also don't miss bleeding heavily, endlessly, with no concept of when it might end. Hello, friends. I'm so glad you're here. So glad you're here. So glad you're here. So glad you're here. <laughs> Amazing. Thanks for coming. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was texting with Katie, and she mentioned she was really into the topic bringing it up at social events and discovering that pretty much everyone wants to talk about it. Maybe you can start our discussion today with how you came to be so intrigued and what you're discovering in conversations with other people. Sure. Uh, thanks for uh, inviting me today to speak with you and um, on the topic. Um, a couple of, I'll try to kind of summarize my whole kind of thought process and what's been happening for me over the past couple of years. But I, um, I started noticing, you know, body changes. You know, first it was like hair on my upper lip, some chin hair. My skin started feeling, you know, it wasn't, it didn't feel as tight. You know, my my energy levels, and I realized it was sort of like, um, you know, peri the entry into perimenopause. And I've just was feeling really bad about it and down and feeling like, oh, you know, I'm going to get belly fat or I'm going to, you know, not be invisible. And just, I think, you know, a lot how patriarchy trains us to think about, you know, older women. Mm -hmm. And I was doing something completely like doing the dishes or something. And I had epiphanies coming to mind. I, I And perhaps it was that strong, but I just realized that I had... I wanted to be an advocate for my menopausal experience and that I was not going to go out that way. I started my first period, you know, there was so much shame and I didn't yeah. want to 
about it. And I spent almost until, you know, I had this epiphany and it almost like my period, it was like something that was happening to me, not, um, I didn't, wasn't really paying attention to how I was throughout the month. And I was like, you know what? No, not me. I'm not going out that way. I want to really change the way that I think about perimenopause and menopause. And not that it's going to necessarily be like an enjoyable experience, but that it doesn't need to be a negative experience. Mm -hmm. And I felt um, that I really wanted to celebrate and thank my body, you know, for the past 30, I don't know, you know, when I'll end menopause, I'm not in, you know, the full stage yet but that you know when I do you know end menstruating I want to have a celebration I want to thank my body for doing that every month for you know probably 35 years Mm -hmm. and hopefully join you know be joined by other women who also want to celebrate that and to you know really like honor what I you know I didn't have children but what I was capable of you know that I could have created a life um, and there's also a lot of like lamenting. I'm starting to lament that I'm not going to have my period anymore at some point. And I never thought that I would feel that way. But, you know, now as I'm trying to look at this as a celebration, I'm really paying attention to my cycle. And there's so many keys in there for me. Um, you know, depending on my PMS, I can tell if my diet's been bad, if I'm stressed. Um, you know, I know kind of where my cycle, like I'm not going to organize a big like outing or try not to have a business meeting the first day of my period. Like I really mm-hmm. try to plan my calendar a bit more and I'm l- lamenting that, you know, I didn't pay attention to all of that um, through most of my, you know, bleeding career, if we want to say. Um, <laughs> and so um, to tie in sort of stuff to our texting, I, I was curious, you know, are other women feeling this way? Because I hadn't really talked about menopause, or if I did, it was very negative. And I bring menopause up and probably, you know, like at parties, not necessarily the time you want to talk about it. But I have not spoken to one woman who does not want to talk about it. Everyone's like, yes, I want to talk about it. Yes, I want to have a celebration. Yes, what is happening to my body? So I've just kind of, I'm turning this into an advocate, not just for me, um, but like, I really feel strongly about wanting to shift the way that I, and I think other women, you know, view this stage in our life. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's amazing. Well, I've, I've had uh, one of one of the my the ceremonies that I, I do want to create long term, like a crone ceremony yeah. for women who have have stopped menstruating and have yeah. m- moved that wise woman um, into that next phase of her life. And so I'm actually really excited to hear that you're coming across other women who want to do that because mm-hmm. uh, you know, I'm not necessarily having those conversations um, all the time. It, it is really exciting for me to hear that there is a desire for this and to mm-hmm. acknowledge this change in our lives and within our bodies. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Wow. Um, Rebecca, I'm going to bring you in for yeah. kind of some of uh, you know your thoughts on what's been happening to your baby or not your, your baby, <laughs> your body. My, my baby. <laughs> Um, uh, well, it just sort of, uh, I just, um, listening to Katie and sort of thinking about, um, I remember listening to my mom and aunt at family gatherings talking about their woes, um, specifically menopause and like my aunt talking about her, her hormone cream and how she has to put it here and has to put it there and has to put it here and then these different places. And I'm going, Oh my God, what am I going to do? And then my mom being, I was, I'm just, I'm really lucky. I had a really um, great, I have a really great mom who was really open about all of this stuff. And we actually celebrated when I first started menstruating, we didn't have like a period party or anything, but my mom took me out to dinner and I got a ring and it was really nice. Um, And then talking about, um, and that's sort of all we really we just kind of like and then we left it and I she you know showed me the products and stuff and um and then uh and then her, when she went through menopause she having conversations with her and going oh, like totally freaked out going what do you mean like she confessed to me that um you know she had moments of 
um, wanted, like she, what her, she said was wanting to jump off a bridge. I don't think she wanted to commit suicide, but she just was like felt terrible. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't want that to happen to me. So kind of ignored it for a little while. But at some point about five years ago, so I'm 42 now, um, I was having really bad, hmm, uh, I guess, PMS. And it sort of had been on, it had been sort of throughout my life, but it, I noticed because I had had a kid and he was about three and, um, and realizing how much it affected him. And I went to my doctor was like, I think I have perimenopause because this is really bad. And she said, you're too, you're too young. I was, how old am I now? So I was 36, 37. She said, no way you're too young. And she asked me what sort of what my symptoms were. And it turned out it was cyclical. Once a month, I was having what I called um, hulked out PMS. So it was two weeks of my cycle before my period things would just trigger me and I would go into this like I would go green like you know like the Hulk and he goes green and he doesn't know what's happening until he unhulks and turns back into a human again and goes oh my gosh what did I do <laughs> and so it turned it turned out that I uh she said it sounds like you have um premenstrual dysphoric disorder and I just call it like hulked out PMS where it's just absolutely terrible um, and I, I truly believe, and after I had recently read a book called, uh, what in fresh hell is this? I think that's what it's called. <laughs> um, and so it's, <laughs> and it was, and I can, there was like a subtitle on it and it, but it was basically perimenopause and menopause and, and basically like there's literally no research on it and nobody and so like the whole book was like you could do this or you could do this and you could do this or it could work this could work or this could work some people work this and this, some people work that some people are fat and it makes them it holds their estrogen so their perimenopause isn't as bad but then some people are fat and it does they're perimenopause <laughs> and it was just like I almost I, I basically gave up on the book because I was like well great you haven't told me anything <laughs> But the part, but what got me going was thinking that it was more perimenopause as well as the PMDD because that had been sort of my whole menstruation career. Yeah. Um, uh, my whole bleeding career had, I it had been pretty, actually pretty bad looking back, but it seems to get worse. And I, and part of that book was that it's actually starting way earlier that perimenopause is starting way earlier than anyone is suspecting so we think of like 45 and we say menopause and and what i learned in the book was like menopause is the end of menstruation and then you are in menopause and it's basically over like you you are postmenopausal. so menopause is like your period ends that's your menopause and then your postmenopause and before is the perimenopause and it's happening way earlier mm-hmm than anyone has like has thought so we're not like 45 50 in perimenopause we're like 35 and it's slow so it's not necessarily something that we necessarily recognize unless you're really getting into like unless you're really tracking your cycle and figuring out like really knowing what it is and so now that I'm into sort of I'm fairly certain I'm into the perimenopause noticeable um, where you could go to, I could go to my doctor now and she would say, oh yes, it sounds like you're in perimenopause rather than five years ago, poo-pooing me and going whatever. Um, Yeah. So like the PNDD has seemed to be getting worse and now I'm going, oh my gosh, I'm going to have a teenage son. (laughs) I'm going to be in perimenopause. And um, I've, been with my current partner for about uh, two and a half years and I gave him an out at the beginning of our relationship I said you know that you're going to be dealing with a menopausal woman and a teenage boy at the same time right (laughs) (laughs) and 
I really love you, but if you don't want to deal with that now, <laughs> now's, <laughs> the time now's the time to go. And maybe we can continue, like, you know, hanging out, but this cannot be serious if you don't think you can deal with a very menopausal, like a menopausal woman and a teenage son. Um, yeah. And actually, what's interesting, so I was talking about my mom and how supportive and open she is with these kind of conversations. And she's uh, about to turn 70. And she said, I still have a cycle. What? Still, what? Not, not a menstrual cycle. She's not menstruating. Oh. Okay. But she's like, I still have, because she's retired now, she has sort of the time to sort of sit in her body. And she's like, I still have a the hormonal cycle. It's still happening. And she has a week where she is sort of down for the count and she knows that she can't do anything. Wow. And, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's not as, quote unquote, bad as it had been sort of uh, perimenopause, but she has, she hasn't had her, she hasn't menstruated in, I'm going to say 20 years, 15, 20 years, but she's like, I still have that cycle. There is still hormone fluctuation. And it just, it kind of cheeses me off that we don't, that nobody researches this, that we're, I, it's really hard to feel like people with a uterus, are second rate and oh well whatever they're just crazy <laughs> that's how i feel that we have been treated people with a uterus have been treated well they're just crazy well and I, i'm gonna say rebecca in in what you've just shared is is also a real one of the real reasons that i wanted to start these podcasts because yeah. i really feel that there's conversations that women need to be having mm-hmm. yeah. and all of us have the type of relationship that you have with your mother so we're of not worth yeah feedback loop from older women in our lives yeah. and of having to kind of depend on the our, our female friendships with older women and to kind of approach them and say can, can we talk about this yeah and and I think for some of those women it, it's it's just as unknown for them as it is us yeah yeah because they didn't have parents or a, a culture of of discussion that they could have you know and of our our mother's generation um and our grandmothers you know the option was well here's here's some medication here's some hormones here you go go you know and and then we're so dismissed by the medical system about our bodies well you you know even the doctors say no your hormone levels are normal but my but the things that are happening to my body aren't normal i don't care if my hormones look normal (laughs) it's not normal heavily for three weeks and i mean when did they take your blood did they take your blood every single day for a month Mm-hmm. Oh, your hormone right. levels, right? Your hormone levels are hormone like people mm-hmm. who have a uterus. Our hormone levels are a monthly cycle, not a daily cycle. Mm-hmm. Like, like you know, men have a daily cycle, hormone cycle. We've got a month cycle, and like what Katie was saying, like is you know, I'm 42 and I'm kicking myself in the butt, going, oh, why didn't I start scheduling stuff around my cycle? Because I can't work in the same way um or socialize in the same way when i'm premenstrual or you know my first day of my cycle no thank you (laughs) yeah well i'm gonna i'm gonna pull celeste in here you have anything to say about kind of what i have been putting out there yeah yeah it's really interesting because it's true like i realized wow we we really don't have these conversations Mm -mm. on a regular basis so i feel like i am learning about everything that is going on with women and uh, you know it is true that you know without those conversations with the the women's in our family from prior generations i mean i know for me i i didn't want to talk to my mother about anything related to bodies fluids sex uh bleeding um you know just a relationship you know i noticed through little cues here and there that she found those things kind of gross so you know as a teenager that's the last person you want to talk to when it comes to those things um but you know there's there's little information that you you get that you never really get to explore that I'm like oh what's what's in store for me for example about menopause my 
I, I found this was like probably a line in an email or something to tell you how like we don't have these conversations. But it seems that when my mother went through menopause, she had a hysterectomy, so had her uterus removed. And in the same sentence, she I think she mentioned that her mother also had the same experience where she went through menopause and got her uterus removed. Oh, I'm thinking I do not want to lose my uterus. It is part mm-hmm. of me. I'm very mm-hmm. fond of it. Uh, you know, regardless of whatever use it has, according to whoever determines these things, I do not care. I definitely want to keep my uterus regardless. Um, so it's a bit nerve wracking, I think. Also, for me, there's something that is just so primal and uncontrolled about the process, right? Mm. <laughs> like we just, it kind of comes on to us and we're part of it. We're, we're taken through it and there's no refusing it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that, that part as is much a bit. As, yeah. as much as men on the internet seem to think that we can control it. No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you've heard these these people who are like, oh yeah, what you what how what do you mean you can't just stop it? Oh, yeah. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, and it it is to me. I do found I do find it is a profound journey. Uh, I it's not comfortable. I do definitely experience pain. Um, there are days when I need to leave work because it's just. I'm just so uncomfortable and I'm hurting and I'm cramping. And luckily I have a female boss (laughs) who Mm -hmm. is more understanding. I think I I might be a bit more hesitant um, with a male boss. Um, Also for me, and this is a completely personal choice, um, I will do everything not to take meds. So I know that, you know, taking Advil, I have, I definitely have, and I will if I'm in a situation, if, if I'm going into a, you know, a very important work meeting and I just need to take that Advil, you know, I'll just take the Advil. But if I can avoid it, I will. And I, if I have the opportunity, I will, I will sit with the pain and just let mm. it be completely painful. Because for me, what I've found is I, I really find that the uterus has the longest memory in our body that's my own personal mythology (laughs) but when it is when I'm in those moments of pain it just I feel like there's a a door that opens into the mysteries (laughs) of who I am you know I'll, I'll have I've had a lot of past life memories that have come through that that gate in the times of um in those moments of pain, a lot of times where, you know, the emotions, it feels like the emotions are so raw and they're so accessible that you can actually sometimes, you know, these, these emotions affect you, whether you feel them or not. So Mm -hmm. to just be present with them, to me, I find is very powerful. There are a lot of times where, you know, in my relationships with certain people or in certain situations, certain things, I just kind of go along. But then on that day, there's just a switch in my brain. I'm like, no, this is over. I cannot deal with this anymore. This has got to change. So there have been some some very important changes that have happened that were catalyzed on those days. But it's not. Just, but I'm not. Don't don't want to mythologize it because it, it's still suffering. Like it's still suffering. You can't get over that. You know. Mm-hmm. So let's. May I ask you a question about that? Yeah. Um, so do you find, like, I've been, you know, I've spent a lot of, not a lot, but in the past couple of years when I'm, you know, paying more attention to my periods, that I sometimes wonder if, you know, cramps are, you know, an indication of like, an like, depending on the severity of like an action that needs to happen or hasn't happened. Do you find when you've had those conversations that your like cramps are less or the next period is different? It's super unpredictable. I, there's no, I think I do believe that if over the long term, if I had, th- this is my belief, like, I, I, you know, I very much, um, I really want to avoid medication. It's a completely personal choice. Yeah. Um, 
you know, but I, I do believe that, you know, when I take Advil, I, I'm disconnected from the pain. I don't feel the pain as much, right? doesn't mean the pain isn't there. It just means that I'm disconnected from it. So I think that over the very long term, if I had consistently disconnected from the pain, mm-hmm. I do wonder if things would have gotten worse for me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and it was like, it's been quite bad. I, I have also... Um, struggled with mental illness Mm -hmm. so my mother was diagnosed with the schizoaffective disorder um I also started experiencing symptoms in my late 20s uh I did not go through the medical system I did not get diagnosed so (laughs) a lot of people don't really believe that I've experienced uh, my own struggles because I don't have a doctor's note Mm -hmm. um but it is very real and um for me uh so you know, everybody is unique. And for me, there is kind of a bipolar aspect to my experience. And when I first started experiencing symptoms, it it became very obvious that my symptoms followed my menstrual cycle. Mm -hmm. So it, it, it was, it got pretty intense, because basically from the end of my period to my ovulation, I called it, I called it the sun phase, Mm -hmm. where things seemed more sunny, and things Uh seemed like I was, you know, I was like, I was good, I was confident, I was like, okay, the world is going well. And then what was, what was probably um, my ovulation, and then all the way to the start of my period to the end of my period, I would call that my moon phase, where everything just felt like it was yep. falling exactly, apart yeah that's exactly yeah. with my my yeah. my experience with the PMDT too it was like what I would I would literally I would get my period and my uh whatever PMS would go away and I'd be fine I'd be like I must I gaslit myself <laughs> it wasn't that bad <laughs> like what what was my problem I'm totally fine you know like I don't I know in the back of my mind, I love my partner. I don't really like him. <laughs> right? <laughs> right. And then I'll get my period and I'll be like, oh, oh, yeah. I do like you. Oh, like total gaslighting myself within those two. So I know, yeah, just I, I feel that too, where it's definitely sun and moon, light and dark, two mm-hmm. weeks good, two weeks bad, if you want to label them good and bad kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. And um, can we? Sorry, can I? Sorry, Slash. Oh yeah, please. No, it's it's yeah. just a conversation. Take it away. Yeah, I just I I I'm really interested how you know the med, like the medicalization uh, we've talked about and kind of like the medicalization of women's bodies. Mm-hmm. And I had a similar experience to Rebecca. I went to my doctor because I'm like, you know, I really I think I'm entering perimenopause. And I said, I know I'm young because I'm trained to think that just because. You know, at that time, I think I was maybe 39, 40. And he was like, no, you're too, same thing. You're too young. And I said, well, no, like I'm having, and again, like, I don't know why I even went to him, like why I feel that I need to go to the, like the medical, you know, like mm-hmm. my doctor, because there wasn't anything wrong, but I was still in that mindset that like, I needed to go to my doctor to discuss I don't know, the facial hair, just that things were changing, you know, and then he brought up, well, for a diagnosis. And then I was like, okay, yeah, this menopause is not a diagnosis, you know, and then I realized, like, from my experience that, you know, I don't want to have this medicalization of it. And Mm -hmm. I just think it's really interesting, you know, what Celeste was saying about, you know, the removal of the universe or hormone replacement therapy, um, you know, like how long have women, you know, been kind of like muting ourselves because mm-hmm. I do think we have power at certain stages of our cycle. And if part of like that muting is like kind of, you know, silencing some of our powers that we have. Mm-hmm. Well, I think we should remember though, that like our menstruation comes from ovulation. And then when we have our uterus removed, and even in my case with an IUD, I still ovulate. And even I believe when you have a hysterectomy, they leave the ovaries and you still, you still ovulate. You still have that hormone. Um, yeah. I I mean, I guess it was sort of my, I feel like that was like an, and I feel like that's not as much of a response now for like, (laughs) 
a women our mm-hmm. age and perhaps mm-hmm. I'm wrong, but I feel it was almost like cesareans. Like I feel there, there are times when the way that we or when like the medical world works with women's bodies, it's more invasive than in others. And I felt like maybe that's not as much now or perhaps I'm wrong. You know, I think there are I, definitely stories you hear from and, and I'm going to also maybe uh, lean to Rebecca a little bit for this, but there are definitely doctors and definitely a time in medical history where doctors pushed you to, and they still do. I mean, I experienced this, but they want you to have a cesarean, mm-hmm. right? It's quick and easy. Yeah. There's no complications, right? The medical system does push us to perhaps yeah, do things. They, 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 can, they consider it easier because they can control it. Yeah. yeah. So, so they can say, okay, it well, a medical issue. Yeah, it becomes. Yeah. A, and so that's, I think, why so many, maybe not so many people, but people who are, um, so talking about cesareans against that, that's why, because they're like, no, but our body, and yes, cesarean sections need, sometimes need to happen. And mm-hmm. it's really, I'm really glad that they exist, but they shouldn't just happen. Like I've had people be like, oh, yeah, I'm, 35 weeks and my doctor scheduled me for a c-section i'm like what you can go for another five six weeks yeah i mean i was my son was two was 15 days overdue and yeah. they for a cesarean and my 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 partner and i at the time were just really like we really wanted to have a home birth uh, yeah. i think we're varying off the topic but it, it does and i ended up having to have an emergency c-section but i had the support of a midwife who respected my and my partner's exactly. choice. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the thing. Like cesarean sections definitely save lives and they're yeah. it's important, but I, we just like the whole medicalizing anyway. Yeah. We are kind of fearing yeah, so talking about the uterus, but same example, but I, I was just yeah. bringing it up where that um, I think a lot of things that happen to women's bodies get medicalized Yes, or, yeah. you know, or that there's, you know, a Celeste saying, you know, I don't want to take a painkiller. Like I think when we, when we discuss, like if we go to our doctor, there's kind of like a muting that they want to do or like a fixing rather than like, I'm trying for my own, you know advocacy around my menopause is to like go through the experiences and not looking at it as like a medical issue mm-hmm. whereas I think I was kind of like always trained that that's often how we look at women's mm-hmm. body yeah. mm-hmm. I think too that what is so important and regardless of the system we have you know I think ultimately whatever decision we make it needs to align with our own values and mm-hmm. our own needs you know I, I'm not uh, for me I really prefer to not do meds to go the natural route um, but that said my life has been saved a few times by the medical system so I'm not about yeah. I'm not about to spit on it I'm extremely grateful that yeah. it exists and when I listen to women who have had very experiences very different experiences for me and women who have successfully used medication. Um, I mean, the most important thing is how the woman views her own process. If a woman views her medication as a very positive thing in her life that empowers Mm -hmm. her, well, then that's the point. To me, I feel empowered by being able to yes feel the pain and deal with the pain head on that's that's my personal choice like mm-hmm. you know and and it does take a chunk out of my life I'm not going to deny like it, it's not it's not like oh yes this hippie loving kind of yeah. <laughs> you know it's not pretty um but again it's my personal choice and I think what is so frustrating to me is when when that personal choice and that person those personal values are denied and I think that Mm -hmm. you know it's very streamlined the whole medical process you book an appointment you have this much time with the doctor you know it's a it is a business It, it needs to run that way some would argue it doesn't I don't know but you know it's not necessarily a time for a deep conversation about your values and your your preferences and i think the one thing that i really do um criticize the system about is how little we are told about the side effects of the meds we are prescribed Mm -hmm. and that is very frustrating because i remember getting on the pill when i was younger and everybody was on the pill every girl was on the pill you don't you have a new boyfriend you get on the pill like you didn't think about it and there are so many side effects that can happen and that 
I was never told about these things. Yeah. Like, you know, I, I've had side effects from, um, you know, one of the one of the side effects of the pill, I got pregnant. <laughs> you would say that's crazy, but yeah. it actually, you know, one time, um, you know, I was, I was doing, I was on the pill and then there was the one week where I would stop taking the pill from, to get my period. And then I didn't start right away. I didn't start the next cycle of pills at the right time. I just delayed by a couple of days cause I forgot, but normally it would be impossible or next to impossible to get your, to ovulate that soon after your period. But because the pill had kind of fucked my yeah. hormones, I ovulated immediately after my period. And so yeah, your I body pre- went, ooh, ooh, yes, yeah. yes, okay, let's go, let's go. <laughs> I guess so. I guess so. You know, yeah. <laughs> so, so then I got pregnant and it wasn't a good time. I ended up getting an abortion, um, which went, uh, mentally I had no issues with the abortion but physically the operation didn't Mm -hmm. go very well um and then after that I was like okay well I don't want to do like I don't want to go through this again I you know I need a different contraceptive and the doctor was like oh try the NuvaRing which is a ring that has a gradual hormone release and you stick it up your vagina and it kind of sits below around your cervix Mm -hmm. So it was like, oh, great. Then I don't need to think about it. I put it in. It does its thing. Except the hormones made me complete. Like my libido went to zero, zero. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm with a partner. Like my my boyfriend clearly. I mean, the whole point is to have sex. Like if you're going to yeah. use this, it's because you want to have sex. And literally I had to coax myself into having sex maybe once a month. Like I had zero libido. Mm-hmm. At which point I was like, this is not good for my body. I know this is not, it's not happening. <laughs> yeah. I want to, if, if you, it's okay. I'm going to kind of loop back. Um, mm-hmm. And it's uh, not that I want to counter, but I'm going to share my experience with um, my diving into perimenopause. And the first doctor I ever, so I have a very supportive female family doctor. She's absolutely wonderful. She's very, very proactive. So I'm, I'm really lucky, mm-hmm. but I haven't always had that and the first uh, gynecologist she said she sent me to was like, no, I'm not going to treat you. You're fine. Which is like, don't dismiss me. This is my body. <laughs> um, and I, I went back to my doctor and she sent me to another, another doctor um, who I'm going to say did walk me through all of my options and talked about all of the pros and cons of each of them and how long mm. reasonably take. Like she actually warned me. She said, if we put this IUD in you, it's not going to work right away. She said it could take six months to mm. nine months for mm. your body to level out and balance. And she was absolutely right for that. And she actually said five months from now, you could be experiencing the worst period of your life. And she said, but you have to, you have to give your time, your body time to adjust. And I really, I really, she and I had many conversations and consultations about what was, what I wanted to do. And she gave me all of the information and all of the options. And I really, I was afforded a lot of time to ask questions and have multiple appointments until I made my decision. And even on the day I showed up, we had another conversation about it. Um, And and she was the one who actually helped me realize because I, you know, I don't have pain management because of a a separate health issue. I actually can't take a lot of Advil or pain medication. So when I get a migraine, I'm Mm, really at a disadvantage because there's very little I can do myself and function and having a child and a fairly stressful job Mm -hmm. three days a month to a migraine, you know, is it's, it's over the course of a year and many, and many years, that's a lot of time to be just out of life. And, and so for me, I'm glad that we have got she and I went down this road, and that I did go with a hormone therapist, an IUD, because, I mean, I still in a very minor way, I know when I ovulate, I get a very, very small period. But my my migraine activity a day a month, and it's manageable, mm-hmm. I can function mm-hmm. when I have those migraines. And I'm not burning through my sick time and my vacation time just to try and make myself feel better. Mm-hmm. But I think that mom doctor, I think that this do- this gynecologist was really um, a diamond in mm-hmm. a yes. rough medical system, you know. That that I, <laughs> I mean, 
I'm gonna be straight up. She was wearing flu logs when she put my. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! You're the best doctor ever. Um, yes. I want to say this about an IUD. I think it is as close um, a woman will ever get to being punched in the balls. Oof. I remember I said I was like I I I feel like that's what it's like for a man when he gets kicked in the nuts. Laugh about it, and I was like, I don't want to do this again for five years. <laughs> But it was, I mean, I had a lot of time in it and it, and it was that journey for me was like a year from the start of like, oh, I think I'm in perimenopause. I mean, the perimenopause conversation had started a few years ago, but it turned out I didn't have a different health issue. But then when we I came back to it a few years later, um, I did feel really supported and, and by my doctor, but I recognize that most women don't have that. Yeah. definitely that was that's a very lucky find hold on oh there. I'm so lucky I know every time my doctor has a baby I'm like is this the last one like right. I, I suffer terribly when you're gone please don't go away <laughs> <laughs> but I want to maybe bring of the symptoms and changes because one of the things that, that happened to me in my 20s uh, I have a, an excellent sense of smell and <laughs> I can smell when women I've come to recognize a specific scent mm. of women who are perimenopausal and entering menopause mm. and I just come it, smell me well, <laughs> I, I, it's one of those things it, it was really and, and unfortunately yeah. for my birth mother that's where it kind of first started to happen where I started mm. to like smell this thing on her and you know and kind of probing her and and it was weird because not weird but my my birth mother also had a hysterectomy because uh she was at risk for ovarian cancer and they had found cells and it's a big long story but she, she still experienced menopause, even though she didn't have a uterus because she still had an ovary. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but she had this really specific smell that, and it was, it was very sweet in, in a way that like you're attracted to sweet things, but it, it was this, it was also at the same time, like a sweet smell of decomp. Mm, and I don't know if you've ever come across like a dead animal in the woods. <laughs> and just, I don't know. Right. I, I, I say this because when I was traveling Australia and you'd find like dead kangaroos, there's a, there's a, a specific smell to animals that are decomposing. <laughs> but I remember like being around older women of that age yeah. and smelling them and being, oh my gosh, this woman is in like perimenopause. Or I, I just referred to it as menopause. So um, I think we, we all give off a smell that no one realizes um i'm gonna be really honest i have terrible night sweats terrible i wake up dehydrated oh my god it's so gross (laughs) oh my god i don't think i've really told anyone and it's it sucks for my partner or when my (laughs) comes like to get in bed he's like you're wet wet." (laughs) i think i'm headed in that direction does it happen every night every night Wow. Yeah, I have night sweats too. It's wild. It's so wild. But like, I'm not, and the frustrating part is that I'm not waking up. I'm not cold. I'm not hot. I just wake up when my alarm goes off and my pajamas and my sheets are soaked. Mm-hmm. It's gross. It's gross. <laughs> and I don't, I, sorry, go ahead. No, you go ahead, please. <laughs> I, I was saying, I don't get the night sweats, but I get the hot flashes at night. So I haven't been getting them during the day yet crossing my fingers it just doesn't happen um but at night and I just like I'm the person who needs the window open like mm-hmm. all the way yeah like here partner take the big blanket because you need it I need the window open and because I'm I like get, just I like get... flashes like flushes of hot like when you take b vitamins and you like except wow yeah, I get really bad acne when I ovulate and like full acne and I'll say as a teenager I did not I had great skin as a teenager through transition and I didn't get a lot of acne and so to be having it in the way I am now as an adult and to and it's painful and it's like it's just perimenopause yeah Steph can I ask you about that smell again I Uh, yeah I just um so is it like at a uh, on a certain place on their body like because I have noticed that I smell differently at certain times in my cycle and it's it's different than it used to be and I'm wondering if that is um I I hadn't connected it really maybe to perimenopause like is it just a general smell or like a certain place on their body that you're smelling it 
mean, these were these were older women. A lot of them, um, right. like they're older than me. I mean, they were women I worked with and et cetera, et cetera. But um, I I was too shy in my twenties to ask them about it. Yeah, and, you don't know, be like. <laughs> Why do you smell? <laughs> um, but I think it, I, I, I've kind of tried to piece it together. I think that mm. it's a smell that the body, like a pheromone almost. Yeah, was, mm. yeah and it makes sense because it is like yeah. a shift in hormones. That's really interesting. It was very subtle, you know, like, um, I mean, oh, this is a weird. But someone, <laughs> when I was pregnant, my son's father once said to me that I could smell a fart before someone had passed it. And, <laughs> and I've always had a, 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 an excellent sense of smell. And, and, and it is a very subtle smell. And I'll say now that I'm, I mean, the last two years, we haven't around a lot of people so Rebecca maybe we should hang out and when you're menstruating and I'll just take a big whiff (laughs) (laughs) has anyone else kind of had some like surprising no um no just the PMDD getting worse just yeah yeah and then the and being super hot at night I don't sweat maybe I'm just not a sweater I may not just I just may not sweat I don't know Um, I also sweat a lot because of like of my other health issues it's just a symptom mm-hmm. of that but i i think i'm just a, a sweaty person in general <laughs> oh god this, um, this is a little and definitely i mean and the thing is i don't know whether it's pandemic or mm. um yeah but definitely weight gain yeah. um yes i mean i'm definitely not not as active as i had been like i was walking to and from work and it was only like 15 to 20 minutes a day but that was enough yeah to sort of and so but definitely I've, I just recently I've been like, oh my gosh, my clothes don't fit, which wasn't a problem in the past. And my weight has gone, gone up and down in the past, but I'm having a little bit of like body dysmorphia going, mm-hmm. I don't look the same as I did before, even with weight gain. Like I've been at this weight before, but it looks way different and clothes are fitting way different. And it's really weird. Like, it's not a, like, oh, I don't look at it anymore. It's just I look way different, different. to different. me. And then yeah. with, like, having people not have seen me in two years, I'm like, I don't really want to see people because <laughs> I feel like I look so different. It's very, it's a very weird feeling. I've never felt that way before where I've had, like, super skinny from high school to going up to, like, you know 180 to 200 pounds and then losing it and then and and not for any reason just I don't know but yeah it's very strange having this my body be so different Um, and my son is eight so it's not just like I had a baby and then my body's different it's only been in the last couple years that have been like whoa things are weird yeah, mm-hmm. I have the same and trying to because we're it, this is happening during COVID. Um, it's like, is it because I haven't been as active? But Rebecca, same thing. Like, you know, I've been at the weight that I am now, which is on my heavier side, but my clothes still fit. Whereas it's a, a different body, like you yeah. know, around my stomach or yeah. you know, my breath. Like I've never had large breasts. And my yes. uh, like two cup size. I'm like, where did these boobs come from? Yeah. yeah, me too. And actually, that's something my mom talked about too, was like she's like and I agree. She's never and I've never had a bosom. Yeah. And she's like, I have a bosom now. And I'm yeah, like, cleavage. Right? Like- I'm like, I have a bosom. And it's very weird. And I'm like, I always have to wear a bra because I don't like it touching my belly. Yeah. <laughs> or my, not quite my belly, but it's, you know, and I'm like, this is so weird because I've always had such, a, you know, a small chest. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. very odd. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, <laughs> so many things. And, you know, I don't want to give the healthcare system a pass doing research and studying what's happening to women's to women but maybe that's part of the difficulty is that what's happening to us and is occurring in our bodies is so individual mm-hmm. yeah. that mm-hmm. even if they did study it they would just conclude yeah they can't help us because they're- <laughs> yeah well I mean like the book I was reading is like some people this works and some people this works and yeah. other people and it's like and some people have zero symptoms and then mm. one day their period stops and they're like, wait, I haven't had my period in a year. Oh, I guess I'm post-menopausal. Wow. Yeah, when, when I was starting to kind of deal with some of the stuff, I remember speaking to my stepmother and she, you know, had had, she didn't experience menopause the way, because yeah. she just had this kind of easy transition 
um, didn't do hormone therapy. Like it happened and you know, she was done. And then I, I'm like, wow, like what, why can't I have it that easy? <laughs> yeah. There is something going on for sure. I've noticed for me, it's very strange. So usually my period, I have four or five days of spotting before my period starts. And then I get PMS, uh, well, menstrual cramps and pains. And overall, it, you know, I can be spotting and bleeding for quite a while. And there, it just feels like there's a lot of stagnation in my body. I don't know if part of that is just having a sedentary lifestyle. But I've noticed that you know, times when I've traveled, when I've been in nature, um, like one day, I one time I went camping and for three days I, I spent barefoot and was in nature for three days. And my period was perfect after yep. that. And there's no delay. Mm. It's not like over time. It's no like if in this cycle, you have been close to nature, your foot, your feet have been on the ground. It's like it goes from kind of a crappy period to like a perfect period it's completely different so sometimes like maybe if I had a better lifestyle that was closer to nature I wouldn't mm. have these problems but like how are you gonna quit your job and go live on a farm I can't do that <laughs> but yeah that's what I was kind of saying earlier about um you know pain where it's indicative at least for me where how I'm living my my life yeah. I you agree know? yes yeah yes Yep. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. Wow. Well, I, I don't know about you ladies, but I am even more intrigued and quite frankly, a little bit excited to see how this all plays out for me over the next decade. And I definitely foresee another discussion around this topic <laughs> as well. Um, but as with many of our gatherings, our time has for this chat has come to a close for mm -hmm. now. So I want to thank you, Katie, Rebecca, and Celeste for joining today and sharing your curiosity and your experiences with your body and perimenopause. I thank you so much for being here. I was thank so glad you. you're here. So glad thank you're you. here. So glad you're here. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thanks for having us. Happy bleeding, everyone. Yay! Yay! <laughs> or not bleeding. Or not bleeding. <laughs> <laughs> If you're interested in joining the monthly Ode Bitch Boast Gathering, you can find event listings and tickets, which are free, on Eventbrite as well as on the Town Ritual Facebook page. Search Town Rituals online. If you'd like to participate in a future podcast, please send me an email at townrituals at gmail.com, noting podcast in the subject line. I'm so glad you're here. Cool. Love you all. Thank you. Love you. As Grandma said, love you and leave you. Wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Bye. Bye. Guys. Bye. Bye.